The world around us is changing faster than ever before. before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome, Welcome. to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. I am at the Attribution Accelerator Conference today, and I'm joined here with Jeff Greenfield, who is the CEO and co-founder of C3 Metrics, and we are on take two. Jeff, thanks so much for your patience. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> we were going really strong there, but the record button wasn't on, so let's get back to it. I think I mentioned to you, I always intrigued by this space because there is so much data as it relates to attribution, and it's kind of the intersection of media technology, too, obviously with the digital and research. How does C3 play in this space? Well, attribution and the way C3 plays is it's a convergence of all things coming together. Okay. Prior to multi-touch attribution, yep. marketers were stuck with kind of these broad, top-down marketing mix models. And if you were a progressive company, you would get a new model done every year. Okay. And that model would tell you, put X percentage of your budget into digital, X percentage in TV, X percentage in direct mail, and then your direct mail agency was up to them how to figure it out. But there was no clear-cut goals in terms of a feedback loop if the direct mail, if the digital, if TV was actually hitting your numbers until you did another model next year. Got it. And next year's model would tell you adjust it down a mm -hmm. certain bit, adjust it up. But there's no feedback to the actual on-the-ground people in terms of telling them what to do. Okay. So Marketing Mix tells you where to allocate those dollars. Multi-touch attribution tells you how to allocate it within that specific channel and cross-channel at a very, very granular level. So it allows the marketers to know that if I have to hit a $50 cost per lead, mm -hmm. let's say, and I've got $10 million a month to spend on television, mm -hmm. the multi-touch attribution will tell me which creative, okay. which TV network, day part, day of week program is actually hitting that CPA, maybe busting through it, so I need to cut back my spend. Or uh, I have a, my CPA is maybe $10, so maybe Tuesday nights on NBC uh, and primetime on this specific program, I need to double down and buy it all up because that is really hitting my numbers right now. You see, that's the key is mm -hmm. that the media environment is so fragmented. It's not like the way things used to be back in the days of Carson. Right. Carson, you would you buy Carson, and 80% of America the next day would be speaking about your brand mm -hmm. or your service. All you had to do was have enough money. You didn't actually have to measure back then. Right. But now there's so many distractions for consumers. You're exposed to so many different things that you have to kind of bob and weave like a boxer through this whole marketing landscape. And unless you have a tool that tells you that you're on the right track or you're off the right track, you don't know. Then you just have to go with your gut. And what we find with most marketers is that they fall in love with a tactic or a strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden, it's three weeks before the end of the quarter, and the CFO comes in and says, hey, we've got a cut budget by 90% in order to hit our numbers, and uh, oh, it can't hurt sales next quarter. I need what you're cutting in an hour. Yeah, yeah. So what do most marketers do? <laughs> most marketers, they just cut everybody 90%, except for maybe the person that they went to the baseball game with last week. Right. And that's how they do it. 
having a tool to tell you precisely what to cut so it won't hurt next quarter. That's changing though now, right? I mean, what you described, is that still happening in terms of those decisions? Oh, you mean CFOs having to cut? No, not the CFO. We're all familiar with that conversation. No, in terms of saying, okay, I have to cut costs. I'm going to cut it across all channels, 90%, versus being more granular and really deciding where where can I optimize um, my expense and at the same time achieve the same goal the the CFO wants me to do. Well, marketers that are using multi-touch attribution can do that. We heard today at Accelerator there was a brand that came on that talked about how they had done, they had had a a buy with Major League Baseball. Okay. And uh, this is a brand that has a long uh, days to conversion Mm -hmm. and the frequency that people come up and use it is like once a year. So they did this buy, and on their last touch measurement basis that they had, their CPAs were busting through like $500. Okay. And their CPA should be like around below 100. So based upon that, they should never rebuy that again. Right. But luckily, with multi-touch attribution, you can look back, your look back window can be multiple years. Okay. So even though they hadn't done that buy for six months, there was still conversions coming in from that. And more conversions with no spend decrease the CPA to the point where after a year they were able to see the CPA was below $60, which meant, whoa, we yeah. should be spending money with that. Now, the only way you would know that is if you're running multi-touch attribution. Okay. If you don't have that, then you're just going to be guessing. And most, unfortunately, most brands today are still guessing. That's the problem. What percentage of companies do multi-touch attribution? I, I would say right now, it's still less than 20%. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are saying that they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, we have Google, we have this, but then when you dig into the details and find out, okay, well, are you using it for all your channels? Oh no, we're just using it for paid search. Mm. Well, then it's not multi-touch, it's not cross-channel. Are you reporting those numbers on your reports to the CMO and to the CFO? No, we're not. Mm. Meaning, is your CFO reporting your ROI numbers based upon what the engine is putting through? Right. Is it, is it communicated all the way throughout your organization. If not, you're not doing multi-touch. Mm-hmm. You're just doing kind of kind of a, a squirrely, different last touch. You're piecing type. it together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that can kind of be a first step, but there's very few organizations that are doing it all the way through, and that's part of the struggle that the industry is going mm-hmm. through right now. And those organizations that are doing it, are they seeing their return on investment? Are they saving money? They're creating efficiency with their ad spend? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our research has shown that clients that deploy multi-touch attribution they see ROI between 15% to 44%. That's amazing. I mean, huge, huge numbers. Mm-hmm. The most exciting aspect is what happens to those CMOs? Right. Well, in year one, you don't see a budget increase because what you find is all of a sudden you have this kind of, oh shit moment mm-hmm. because you realize that there's money that you could just throw out the window. Right. There's dollars that you are just wasting on an annualized basis. It's in the tens of millions of dollars. So all of a sudden, you, the, the first thing that happens when you get up and running with a model is you start cutting the stuff that's not working. And it's part of a fear process and a transformation process because it's like, well, these keywords, this channel, this tactic has always worked. Mm-hmm. And the model might say, cut it 50% in order to hit your numbers. And, and a CMO and a marketer will say, well, let's try 10%. And we say, okay, well, if you cut it 10%, how, how much impact do you think it'll have on your business? Oh, the business is going to drop like 5%. So we cut 10% and we right. wait a month. Nothing happens. Uh, Two months, three months. We're like, let's cut a little more. <laughs> and then, and then that's when that 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 crazy oh shit moment happens because then all of a sudden it's like, oh my god. Yeah. All of a sudden now I have extra money to spend, 
that was wasted before. Where can I put this right. now? So then they start to redeploy. So what happens is the magic moment for CMOs is when they're able to go to their CFO and they're able to say, this budget that you gave me this year, which was maybe about the same as last year, mm -hmm. I have increased our sales or increased our conversions, you know, one and a half times. That's when you go to ask for more money. Right. Our CFOs in their second year see a 30% increase in a budget. That's fantastic. Year three, 39% on wow. top of that. So there's this incrementality that you get from this. And if you're a CMO, the only way you're going to have a longevity there is you want more budget. Mm -hmm. You Because if, if your budget goes down, it's like it's time to find a new job. Yeah, exactly. you got to grow and build a kingdom. Right, right. But you do need to play the long game. Absolutely, right? you do, yeah. But you have to be able to, you know, have certainty that the data is going to point you in the right direction. And in order to do that, you should initially have a distrust of it. Mm -hmm. And you should, regardless of what the validation of the model and the data scientists come in and say, look, this is correct. Right. I would never trust that right? because I can't take that chart and deposit it in the bank mm -hmm. for my CFO, mm -hmm. but I can test it to see if it's correct. And then when I test it and I put it in market, even just small little changes, and all of a sudden I see sales go up, it's like, okay, well now I start to trust it. So I like it when people don't trust the numbers, but they need to be willing to take that step to actually put it in market. And, and give it a try. That's, it sounds like a really fun role you're in in, in helping companies transform and how they look at um, advertising and ad spend. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting when people are kind of faced with fear yeah. and to see how they react to it and, and, and see kind of the, the different situations that they go through. I see, I've been in a lot of interesting situations where we've had CEOs and, and meetings and, and they'll, I, I remember one time I was, sitting with the CEO and a CFO many years ago, and uh, the CEO started yelling at me, screaming at mm -hmm. the top of his lungs, like, you know, what the hell do we know about this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, and it was at the point where I was, I initially wanted to bolt for the door, right. but then I realized what was going on, that this was his technique of, of seeing what I, what I own these. What, am I behind these numbers? Do I believe in it? How much passion do you have? In, yeah, in... so I, I raised my voice back to him. Yeah. And then, then he called his assistant in and he had already written up something based upon the numbers. He believed them, but okay. he wanted to make sure that when I was pushed, mm -hmm. would I believe them in them as well. And I, I think that's, for a lot of younger folks getting in this industry, if they believe in the numbers, they need to be willing to push yeah. back because sometimes the people that are pushing them, it's not that they don't trust them, they just want to see how much do you actually believe in those numbers, and that's, that's really important. I totally agree with that. How much, uh, how much do you believe in what you're representing and, and the passion and what you're willing to? And are you willing, are you willing to maybe lose your job right. to raise your voice to a, a senior member of the team? Yeah. Because if so, then that's like, wow, you really believe these yeah. numbers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's how you get ahead. That's, I totally agree with you. So let's switch gears. What do you think the future holds? as it relates to attribution? Well, I think right now in the industry, what we're lacking from when it comes to measurement, mm -hmm. and specifically multi-touch attribution, is standards. Okay. So if you go back and you look at how the media landscape has shifted, you go back to like the networks, just when there was like three major networks, and then all of a sudden there was, uh, cable came out. Mm -hmm. And even though they had done this study that showed that 25% of the time that people were watching cable versus networks, brands were only spending 5% of their dollars. Mm. So they distributed this report and brands were like, wow, hmm. we're missing audience. So they shifted money over. 
digital did the same thing about 15 years ago and they said you know consumers are spending like 25 to 30 percent of their entertainment time and digital but you're only spending five percent of your dollars here's this report and brand said no we're not going to shift dollars over and they're like well why not and they're like well because in the world of tv and traditional radio uh, and traditional media i buy on an opportunity to view meaning if i pay for an ad in a magazine yeah and that ad runs i pay for it but if the ad doesn't run i don't pay for it okay but in the digital world oh. 10 15 years ago there's no opportunity to view i spend 10 million dollars on x number of impressions and now I'm finding out that 70, 80% of those oppressions were never seen. Mm. I still have to pay for them. You guys need to fix this problem. And that started something about uh, 10, 15, 12 years ago called the 3MS Initiative, okay. which was to move digital towards a currency that was different than what it was. Because back in the day, it was an impression. Mm -hmm. Now we have this concept of viewability and a viewable impression. And we have the MRC who is behind all the ratings and they have whole accreditation program that they've gone through, which has really gotten the industry to, to bolt itself forward. That's why there's such a growth in the digital landscape besides all the new innovations mm -hmm. in media, but it's because there's a currency that everyone can agree upon, especially the big brands. I think the problem, so, so, so those standards have allowed that growth. I think the problem with attribution is that it's such an exciting word Everybody wants to be doing it. Yeah. And so you have publishers who are sellers of media saying they're doing attribution. Mm. Well, how can you grade your own homework? You really can't. You have other companies saying that they're doing it. And everyone is saying that they're doing their own flavor of attribution. And so it's crazy of me to ask for this because right now we have like this wild, wild west. Right. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. But I really think, and in fact, I know that with standards, where, and we're not saying that everyone has to have the same model. Right. The model aspect of attribution is proprietary. That's your secret sauce. Right. But there need to be standards about data collection. There need to be standards about data unification. Uh, there need to be standards like, hey, when you're modeling data, I want to make certain that the bots yeah. that the industry have agreed upon that don't count for impressions aren't even included yep. in your model. I want to make certain that the viewability that the currency is, that you're not modeling impressions, you should only be modeling viewable yep. impressions. So there need those same standards that are there need to be put in place for attribution. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm calling on the MRC okay. to create a standards. Now, the MRC process is, anyone who's ever gone through it, is a, it is a multi, year-long, incredibly difficult process. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the audit. First, they have to develop standards. Mm -hmm. Then there's an audit process you have to go through. And then once you're done with that audit, it's a continual re-audit every year. And, and just like with viewability, when they first created the standards for viewability, they changed them every quarter. So you're talking about creating a standard that is gonna grow up over the next five years. But I know that when they do this, and they will, that that is what will be the future of this industry. Because with standards, then advertisers and marketers will have the full faith and credit behind the numbers and be able, people won't have to raise their voice anymore. Right. The CFOs will go behind it. Everyone will know that th these are the real numbers and that the standards are in place.
So that's the future of attribution. That sounds great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for having and me. And look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.